0: I'm so glad you're joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. You can find me and follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Lisa Evers. And you can also catch up on Street Soldiers TV and radio episodes free of charge on LisaEvers.com. Now, in this episode, we're talking about the Charlottesville aftermath. If hate speech can produce violence, is it time to ban it? That's what we're talking about with our panel. And we've got a great panel to break this all down for us. Joining me is Evan Bernstein. He's the regional director of the Anti-Defamation League. Evan, great to have you on. Thank you. Thank Thank you you. so much for being with us. Also with us is Charles F. Coleman, Jr. He's a civil rights attorney and uh, founder and executive producer of Black Brilliance 360. It's a web series. Charles, great to have you.
1: Always good to be here, Lisa.
0: Thank you. Also with us is Fred the Godson. He's a hip-hop artist from the South Bronx. Latest mixtape is Gordo. (laughs) And thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate it. Charles, I want to start with you on this Where do we draw the line between speech that is legal and illegal? Because a lot of people think what happened in Charlottesville went way too far.
1: So it's important to understand that under the Constitution, love and hate, or love speech and hate speech, if you will, are exactly the same. The Constitution doesn't differentiate between speech that we like versus speech that we don't like. And so it is, there is no protection for hate speech under the Constitution, under the First Amendment. Now, there is Uh, it it is unlawful to have speech that incites violence, speech that promotes violence, speech that encourages violence, uh, particularly when that is geared toward any particular group or or, uh, demographic. And I think that that's where the speech that was, that was promoted in Charlottesville becomes problematic and where it becomes questionable. So, for example, it, it's not illegal to walk out and say white power or to say black power, for example. But if an angry mob of tiki-torch-carrying tiki, uh, tiki folks start walking around saying, we need to kill all the blacks, that's, you know, now we're getting into, into territory that's very, very dangerous, and that's where you start seeing a difference in terms of
0: how speech is classified. So it needs to be considered a little bit differently if that's the case. Correct. Evan, when you saw those Nazi flags right next to the Confederate flags, a lot of people were shocked by that. What was your reaction?
2: Unfortunately, we weren't that shocked at the ADL. We've seen a lot of the rallies and a lot of things we see online. A lot of times the, the, the Confederate flag and the Nazi flag or Nazi symbolism is unfortunately been equated together. Uh, you know all right now, white supremacist groups have been using these images you know for for many, many years to uh, kind of show themselves off for what they are and what they're what they're about and uh, you know the oppressiveness of the Confederate regime towards uh, towards slaves and what, what was taking place during the Civil War and pre-civil War. In the Nazi regime, clearly, with uh, the extermination of the Jews and other minority groups, are are uh, things that are, seem to be common links uh, for these groups, and that's why they like those images.
0: And do they embrace the Nazi philosophy as well? The similarity is just the annihilation.
2: Yeah, I think it's about it's about white power. It's about white supremacist, uh, you know, type thoughts and beliefs, and that there should be only one ruling group, and that anyone that doesn't fit into that uh, doesn't should not have a seat at the table and should not be in a position of power.
3: Fred,
0: what about the hip hop response to this? Are people talking about
3: this? Yeah, they are talking about it. Um, it's 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 kind of crazy because what they're doing is they they screaming the white power, and then they are saying like kill us off, like it's, it's it's violent. Like with us, we'll scream black power, but we'll just like say what why black power like means everything like to us we're not saying black power f white you know what i'm saying we're not doing that right it's like a self-assertion yeah it's just it's just us trying to like bring up our people but with them it's crazy it's like white power and that's it like we hate y'all and we want to get and we want to get rid of you we want to get rid like they want to not like they really want to kill us off and it's i'm sitting there with my daughters and i'm and i'm watching and i'm like oh, what? like i've never really seen it up front like i've seen it in the movies. I never seen the torches, like, now. Like, I never right, seen like on them. the
0: news, like, happening right now like, in our right, lifetime.
3: Yeah, in Virginia, like, as it's going on. And it was, it was shocking. It was like, like what's going on?
0: Evan, explain this for me because if we show when we cover a story of vandal, you know, of vandalism, and there's swastikas or there's KKK, we usually blur it on the news. But yet, if there's a march like this where they have these flags, they have these offensive symbols, they're making these very these chants that some people, a lot of people, were considering as threats threats of violence. Why is that okay? Or why is that?
2: Allowed. It's not, and it's, you know, that's where legality. and I'm not an attorney, but I think it's, you know, again, when that hate, we're very much as an organization, as a civil rights organization, very much about free speech, but again, when it turns illegal, when it turns into potential violence, and, and the people's civil rights are being violated because because of that speech, that's something that needs to be stopped. Symbolism itself is not is not illegal. Uh, people are allowed to again. Someone could walk on the street with a with a, a swastika T-shirt, and that's completely legal. It's all in context, and whether or not you're going to be inciting violence or inciting uh, something that's going to allow for people's civil rights to be violated.
0: Charles, what about what
2: the legal community is saying? Because the
0: Charlottesville example that was real that was n- not just right on the line. There were people that lost their lives, and many that were injured.
1: Sure, the 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 ACLU, for example, has caught a lot of heat because they have come out in defense of the uh, the individuals who organized the alt-right uh, march in terms of being able to actually do that, because under the Constitution and under the First Amendment, they do have that right. And I think that we have to be very careful in terms of how we sort of navigate that space in terms of telling folks, you can speak up, you can't. There's a group, Antifatia, or, or uh, I forget how, how to pronounce their name, they're, they're basically Mobs of folks who are going around to college campuses when certain speakers are coming, particularly alt-right speakers, conservative speakers, and they're trying as best as they can to be disruptive and protest and eventually keep these people from speaking on college campuses. From a legal standpoint, I think that that's a bad move because for someone like myself who's in civil rights, what happens when someone thinks that the speech that I'm saying in terms of being pro-black in terms of black nationalism or pan-Africanism or anything of that nature is considered to be disruptive or considered to be problematic. I don't necessarily want someone censoring me. I think that when you start talking about the violence, that's a clear sort of example. I think what we're dealing with on a larger scale is, quite frankly, a reflection of our political climate, right? And I think it's also a, a a lack or failure of leadership by omission or leadership by inaction or leadership by indifference. Those are all failures that we've seen from the top down. And what it has done is, is it's fertilized this ground to create an environment that's ripe for this sort of thing to happen. I think that's beyond the legal ramifications where we really need to look to in terms of how this happened and whether it can happen
0: again. Fred, do you ever think, because there are times, you know, they talk about everybody's entitled to get a permit for a march or for a demonstration. There have been times when there have been hip-hop concerts that haven't been able to get permits because they're like, we're concerned about public safety.
3: Yeah, I don't understand it. So it's like they're concerned about public. So they they got a permit to do these things. And we, we just trying to, we're, we just we just speak in hip-hop and it's i mean they say hip-hop come with violence but that's just you know that's just something but this is just mainly like this is violent or out rip like you got the the symbols and i understand you can it's freedom of speech you can but these what they spitting out their mouth with torches in their hands like we and when you, and when you do that to blacks and you the torches you know what that Symbolizes. That reminds us of the cool, like the KKK, and right. you're gonna burn things, and y'all marching the same way, and it's, it's 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 borderline crazy. There's
1: no question that there's an element of anti-blackness in throughout this entire discussion, like beyond the obvious, right? I think it's important to understand that in Germany today it is illegal to fly a nazi swastika or a nazi flag that 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 is illegal you are not you are not allowed to do that right now granted germany doesn't have freedom of speech in the us but i make the point to say that for anyone who's having a conversation about whether this is okay for anyone who's having a conversation from a moral standpoint right about whether this should be permitted we would not systemically be okay with anyone attending hitler high school but At the same time, when I look about when I look throughout the city of New York, right, almost every public school that I've ever attended or seen anyone attend has the name of a former slave owner attached to it. Psycho- psychologically, like that's a really big deal
0: and, and I want to talk about that Because that comes down to the statues It comes down to the symbolism <laughs> It comes down to uh, one of the big you know, Most no, vibrant and heated discussions That our society is having right now This is Street Soldiers, I'm your host Lisa Evers We'll be back right after this
3: What's up y'all, it's your boy Rotimi You're listening to Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers
0: Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We're talking about the Charlottesville aftermath. Is it time to take a second look at hate speech and ban it when it leads to violence like that? Joining us for this episode, Evan Bernstein. He's the New York Regional Director of the Anti-Defamation League. Evan, great to have you. you. Also with us is Charles F. Coleman, Jr. He's a civil rights attorney and executive producer of Black Brilliance 360. It's a web series. Charles, thanks for being with us. Thanks, Lisa. We appreciate it. Also with us is Fred the Godson. He's a hip-hop artist from the South Bronx, and his latest mixtape is Gordo. Thank Mm -hmm. you so much for being with us. We really appreciate it. Um, Evan, I want to talk with you about the climate, because at the same time that this happened, leading up to it, the first six months, 2017, record numbers of hate crimes and of complaints from people about outright discrimination based on religion, based on their ethnicity, their their race. What do you say to that? The climate
2: has has really changed during the election season and I know we've talked about this before, but it's really unfortunately has not really changed there's been a lot of times ebbs and flows of of hate in our society or in our city and really since the election season it, it kind of it jolted up and then now it's it's maintain, it's been maintaining itself and we're seeing more and more of it and now we're seeing it in other cities uh, around the country and it's it's something that's very concerning to us the all right, is becoming very active in a way that uh, has been unprecedented, online especially. They're going on college campuses now. This is something that's affecting uh, young people, old people, uh, small towns, big cities. It, it's it's a real problem. And a lot
0: of people are looking at it and, and really waking up. So, Charles, do you feel like it's racism is more? Because a lot of people are talking about our country is torn apart, but yet we see tens of thousands of people of all races coming together to march against this too. What's the reality in your view?
1: I think the reality is that we're just exposed to more. I think that the amount of racism that exists in the country is pretty much what it's been historically. I think that the resistance against racism and against systemic oppression has grown as people have been exposed to more information and sort of understanding how these things work. And intersectionality has been huge in terms of being able to build bridges and find commonalities among us in order to fight them. I think that one of the things that has happened is that we've steadily been seeing a sort of melting pot of a perfect storm brewing, um, and, and it may have started arguably with the election of President Obama. And since that time, I think much of white America, or a significant portion of, of white America, has sort of been seeing what they have viewed as their whiteness and what has represented threatened. And uh, Donald Trump, quite frankly, has been the, the spark plug or, you know, that has lit the fire and has uh, continued up until last night when he gave his speech in Arizona, continued to fan the flames there with respect to not only the things that he said, but the things that he hasn't said in order to calm things down, in order to really address uh, the rhetoric that's coming from the alternate right and white supremacists.
0: Fred, do you feel like the climate has changed? Because you, you're out there in the streets, you're out there,
3: you know, you're working with a lot of different artists from a lot of different neighborhoods. Yeah, it's changed, but you know, it's... It's really hard to feel it when you're in New York because it's everybody mingles, you know. But, like, my brother, he lives in Virginia, and he, he's like, your friend is crazy out here, but he's been saying that. So it's, like, it's different. But, like, here we all mingle. Like, it's... it's. So we may think the rest of the country is like this, but it's really not. It's way different because when you go other places, it's, you know, I don't really like to go over there. Why? Because, like, What? Well, when they come over here, it's like, yo, y'all, y'all mingling, everything's good, y'all, like, we in a studio, it's a white engineer, it's this, it's that, and everybody's, everybody's together, and everybody's cooling, so we don't really get the full... Tension? The, the full tension, the full impact of what's going on in them other places, but when you talk to my brother, he'll tell you, yo, Fred, this VA thing, man, it's different, and the names, like, like you said, he's still got the name, like, Lynchburg, and all this other things, it's like, it's still there. But we don't feel it like the other, like the other spots.
0: What, what about these Confederate symbols? Because this whole Charlottesville thing happened over this Confederate statue that they didn't want taken down, Charles. So there are so many
1: different analogies that I could give in order to try to make this make sense. Because the reality is at this point, if you're ignoring it, you're willfully ignoring it on purpose. Because everyone has the sort of same exposure to analogies and comprehension as possible. However, for those for those folks who have not been listening, imagine that the United States went to the Olympics. And imagine that uh, it, the, the United States won five different Olympic uh, contests and they all took the gold. But for some reason, if you go back to the Olympic Village, for those five different uh, uh, events that we won gold, there were statues for the civil med- silver medalists and for the bronze medalists, but not for the gold medalists. The Confederacy lost. They lost. There's no reason to hold the flag up for the folks who tried to secede. And, and I, this is just sort of in other words, of why, fact. like n- no one's even, no
0: one's trying to rewrite to write that out of history, correct. right? I I'm mean, not, it not happened, even, but why aren't you're saying why there's honor There's no, it?
1: there's no. The the victor does not go. I mean, the, the spoils do not go to second place. They go to the victor, right? So I'm not even dealing with the morality. I'm dealing with the sort of this is what happened. These are facts, right now. From a moral standpoint, there are a lot of folks who are arguing. Well, you know, this is our history. This is our this is our heritage, so on and so forth. And what those folks have to understand is that that sort of thinking is wrought with privilege, in as much as you cannot.
0: I, I want to get to the privilege. Let me just okay. ju- let me just bring in Evan here. You when when Charles is talking about these these statues and these monuments to the losers, there's also equivalence with with a Holocaust.
2: Well, if you go to Germany, you're not going to see a lot of statues of Hitler or you know Garin or Goebbels. And I think, you know, the other thing is too with the statues, these are not these are not put up at, right after the Civil War. These are right. put up during Jim Crow. These are put out uh, really one of the worst times in, in our history around race in this in our country, where we were still fighting with and struggling with uh, how we we're handling uh, post slavery America. And I think, you know, th- those symbols were put up as for reasons to try to emboldened groups that were that were affected in their minds negatively by the, the loss of the civil war and i think it's it, again it's 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 imperative that we as societies look at these things and do everything we can to try to bring these things back because they create so much hate. They really, really think... So you think
0: they should, we should really review... Because in the city of New York, there's a 90-day review underway to look at these streets, the, the naming of the streets, to look at some of these statues and, and and monuments. Charles, what about that?
1: I absolutely think that's appropriate. I think that, you know, the the argument... Well, it's always been that way is probably the worst argument that I've heard in terms of leaving them there. When you have information, when you know better, you do better. That's really what it boils down to. And I think that for so many people they don't understand psychologically what it means to constantly sort of be reminded of the names of your oppressor the names of people who sort of oppressed your ancestor ancestors and and, and sort of the the systemic and structural Uh, uh, institution that racism is and that white supremacy has been, particularly for oppressed peoples and peoples of color. So it's important that we do make those reviews. It's important that we do have these conversations. In some cases, it's important that we review how we are teaching history. So Evan and I were having a conversation during the break about how we've sort of Sanitize Christopher Columbus into being this hero who discovered something that he did not discover, while also omitting the fact that he literally wiped out entire groups and races of people when he came to America and when he was exploring. So those are things that you know we have omitted from history to our convenience and to the comfort of a very. But is there a group.
0: danger of looking at the past through the lens of today? Because in 2017, we're a lot more aware of a lot of things that we weren't aware of before. Is there a danger of like looking back at at the past. The only
1: danger that we have is getting it right. And I don't think that that's something that we should be afraid of. I mean, if we have an opportunity to tell stories more accurately as opposed to making up these fantastical tales of people who just knew what they were doing from, from Spain when he got lost and found something that was already here and had been inhabited for generations before he ever arrived in, in Columbus's example. You know, that's not a bad thing. I think, again, we should want to use our ability to look back to be more accurate so that we avoid making the same mistakes so that we know what really happened so that we can give credit where it's appropriately you know, due and that we can break
0: the cycle of oppression that has continued to, to hold people back. Fred, do you find, some, find yourself sometimes like, your daughter's asking you questions and you're like, now let me, how do I explain this to them and...
3: Yeah, I mean, my daughter's sick, so it's, it's like it's real, gotta be real careful and it's so a lot of times I don't even know how to explain it, you know. Um, Any time the the, the the things come on and she's on the phone, you see the riots and on TV, you try to keep her away from it because I don't even know how to explain it. To be honest with you, you know what I'm saying? It's it's it's
0: it's hard because you don't want it to be you don't want them to be learning about hate, but at the same time yeah. they need to know that they're very they're very aware of that. I think.
3: Yeah, because it was one time where I was on, a, on Instagram and I seen. A a black cop with the riot gear on, and they—they, it was a baby, like she was like two or like two, and she walked up to him. But they put the Ku Klux Klan uniform on her, Mm -hmm. and she's looking at the, she's looking at the black dude, and it's like she's trying to say like hi or whatever, and he's looking at her, and I'm just looking like, she don't, she don't hate this dude. You know what I'm saying? It's like they—they trying to teach her. Say so, hey, like she walked right up on them and she was just like
0: right like the babies and the kids aren't born that way yeah and, it's, it, and they're it's, taught they're taught that kind of hatred
3: it is crazy
0: it is crazy all right this is Street Soldiers I'm your host Lisa Evers we'll be back right after this
3: hey yo 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 what up what up it's the infamous Mom Deep Prodigy right here you know what I mean and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, you know what I mean? And real people, only on Hot 97.
0: Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We're talking about the Charlottesville aftermath, a review of statues and monuments that represent one of the most hated periods in history, one of the most divisive, and also what's happening now. Should hate speech that leads to violence be banned? That's what we're talking about with our panel. Joining me for this conversation, Evan Bernstein. He's the New York Regional Director of the Anti- Defamation League. Evan, great to have you with us. Thank you, Lisa. Also with us is Charles F. Coleman Jr. He's a civil rights attorney and executive producer of Black Brilliance 360. It's a web series. Charles, great to have you. Thanks, Lisa. Also with us is Fred the Godson. He's a Mm hip-hop artist from the South Bronx. His latest mixtape is Gordo. He's also a parent of a six-year-old girl. Fred, great Mm -hmm. to have you. And a two-year-old. And a two-year-old. Yeah. Okay. I'm mentioning that because we're talking about the impact on kids, kids as well. Yeah. Let's talk about climate. Evan, you, do you feel, and you've been doing this work for a long time, but been on the front lines of it, do you feel that, that we're reaching, cause a lot of, reaching some sort of breaking point or tipping point? Because a lot of people, just average people who aren't activists or aren't in, the, you know, in similar positions, they feel that. That's the feedback we get. Yeah, I think,
2: again, I think social media has played a huge role in this in getting it out to more and more people. I think everyone, a lot, so many people are on Twitter, on Facebook, and other other social media uh, networks, and, and they're seeing more of these things, they're seeing images, they're seeing videos, sometimes in real time, like this on Charlottesville, it wasn't something they had to wait to see with Walter Cronkite, they were getting it live, re- real time, and I think it's, it's shifting things. And I think also, you know, with the demasking laws uh, taking effect of the Klan, and we saw the decline in the Klan, you're now seeing more and more of these people going online. I think Charlottesville is one of the, you know, is the largest gathering in 10 years of white supremacist groups. And I think one of the biggest reasons is people are afraid to show their faces, and so many people now we know have lost their jobs because they're socially, uh, on social media, they identify their faces. And the new rallies that were coming up. In September, September, we're now looking to be, I think, to be moved online, actually, from being live, because I think people, again, don't want to show their faces. So all this hate now goes online. It affects young people. It it just metastasizes and also trickles down.
0: But what about showing their face? Because that was one of the things that that was most shocking to me when I saw the the torches and the marching was – They're out in the open. They're not even putting sunglasses
1: on. Part of why that's happening, Lisa, is that there is a deliberate and intentional movement in order to sort of drag alt-right speech and white supremacy into the realm of normalcy. Right? So, the more that it happens and the more that people are exposed to it, the more that you can see folks, and it, it's, it's not someone who's dressed uh, with a hood and in a robe, but it is, you know, what people would describe as, oh, these are normal people. These are decent people, right? What it does is to the conscience of someone who may be on the fence, is it exposes them to something that they may think is normal. And it moves the conversation. It, sh- it does create that shift. And, it, and, and what they're trying to do is not only move the conversation into the realm of normalcy, but then by doing so, also recruit other people who may find the images of the Klan themselves reprehensible but can get beyond get behind the message of well I want uh and this is the sort of the dog whistle language we heard last night from the president, I want um uh, the preservation of our culture, right? Like the pres- the preservation of our heritage. Those are sort of that's cold language, that's, right? Uh, right. Those are the the dog whistle uh, words and the cold language that people use for all right for white supremacy, right? Like not what
0: preservation is, of our American culture or our American values. Well,
1: well, well. That's what's said, but again, in those contexts, the the the, the usage of American culture and American values is our cold words for white supremacy, right? And so. When people do that, and that's why you're seeing more and more of it in the public, why it's, why it's being sort of out in the open and unmasked, because there are so brave folks who feel like, well, the more we can put put this out to the public, the more
2: we can normalize it. What about the
0: shock? Oh,
1: go ahead. Well, a
2: one interesting piece about that, too, is this is not deliverance. You know, when you the people that are marching here are not Bubba with one right. tooth, with a, you know. Right. The, you saw people that were— wearing, you know, collared shirts and who dress like, you know, preppy and, coll- you, know, and they, they, you know, their, their golf main shirts on. Mainstream, and quote unquote, main mainstream middle mainstream class people. America. I think, normal you know, I get, folks. Normal folks. And I, I think exa- you're exactly right. I think that you're, you're starting to see now even uh, what, what America is seeing a, a different kind of, you know, a white supremacist. And I think Richard Spencer, do graduate, someone that looks and, and talks and acts very differently than the old school uh, kind of white Right, like you said, like the
0: bubble with the one tooth and right. the, the pickup truck with right. the not, shotgun not, in the that's back. That's not what
2: we're seeing now. We're still seeing, some, we're still seeing that, but we're seeing kind of this new morphing into something something we haven't seen before.
0: Fred, what about the the shock value of them? Like, you, you saw those guys. I mean, they could be working in an office somewhere. They could be, you know, they could be working as the engineer when you're there yeah, to record a song.
3: Because you've seen them and they look, some of them look young and they was dressed regular like somebody that'll drive past you Hop out and you you ask them what time it is. People down downtown. It looked. It it wasn't like the like the older people like you said with the one tooth, and they just it's it's now, it's like my age.
0: It's like current.
3: Now yeah, t- that's t- totally cool. Cr-
0: let, let me talk about normalizing it because there's the more we see it, like the first time I saw a Confederate flag, it was it was super shocking and super upsetting and very scary. But the we to see the flag on TV, to see the Nazi flag, to see the symbol, to see so many of these quote unquote average looking people walking, white people walking with carrying this flag Does that desensitize us, Charles, to the shock value of it and Uh, to what it represents? I want to go
1: back to an interview that Soledad O'Brien did sometime early on in the election cycle. And during that interview, she was very critical of the media for creating a false equivalency between some of the speech that Trump was putting out at the time when he was a candidate and some of the speech that Hillary Clinton was putting out, sort of as they were just equally competing ideas and equally competing views. And... I'm reminded of that because at this point, that's exactly what we've been seeing. We've gotten to a point where there's a false equivalency in terms of the narrative that white supremacists have tried to advance, and for example, things like black power. So when you are saying white power, uh, we are supreme, we are literally white supremacists, we believe in the supremacy of the Aryan nation, of pure whites, of Anglo-Saxons, that is far in a way different than saying black lives matter, I matter, I'm affirming myself and who I am and my right to exist. And not
0: denying somebody
1: else's, their right. Absolutely. And that's, and, and that's a point that Fred made earlier. Um, but the problem is that we have sort of entered into a space because it's good for, it's good, it's sensational, right? People will watch, people cover it. And it's also something that really gets people engaged on social media, for better or for worse, um, where these things are treated as false equivalencies. Uh, and, and they're treated in a way that they sort of are equal in measure in terms of their speech and the reality is that sort of speech that sort of content it doesn't deserve a space it doesn't deserve a microphone it doesn't deserve a stage
0: and when it's advocating breaking the law and take, taking people's it's lives illegal. isn't that it's, it's illegal. illegal so how can that be equivalent to Correct. people expressing their views Evan what, what about the normal the normalizing of the imagery because again, I come back to the fact like we get upset. The police go out when there's spray something spray painted,
2: and yet here this was going on for hours. So it was in New York, you know. And I, we, when I first started, when there was a swastika incident in the state in the state of New York, it what we would do a release, and it was a big, you know. We've had to deal with so many of them. Almost on a daily basis, that I, I, we've, we even as an organization at times becomes desensitized towards it because it just becomes there's so much more of it, and, and I think that's the challenge is when there's so much of it and society starts seeing it instead of it being that one random thing you saw once a month and you start seeing it almost on a daily basis. It's you become in school. Desi-
0: But what do you say? What do you say to people that go like, "Oh, that's just graffiti," or they're just it's just a bunch of kids and they really don't know what
2: they're doing? Do you buy that? Well, no, because when you live in that community and if it's your home that's getting swastika or your church just getting swastika or, or it, it, it absolutely creates a whole different kind of dynamic for you as a family as an individual as a community and I think there's a deep impact that goes there and anyone that doesn't understand that has not had that happen to them and, and the, I think it's 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 really a terrible thing. and the
1: idea that someone would put up a f- confederate flag or put up uh, a nazi swastika and say that they don't know what they're doing is really just it's it's, it's it, it lacks integrity to say the least and as much as you don't just choose random symbols to put up in random places, right? These are p- placed strategically in certain communities because they know that they are offensive to the people who are in those communities, right? So you wouldn't necessarily put, a, you know, you didn't put a rainbow up there. You didn't put up, you know, you didn't put a unicorn or, you know, just whatever, Like right? the, the symbols that were used are being used very deliberately and very intentionally because they're targeting the
0: demographic that that you know they know is going to be exposed to those symbols. The the people,
3: Fred. What about what do you think would
0: happen if they tried to to do one of those KKK marches here in New York?
3: It's it's going to be it's, it's going to be deadly. It's going to be a lot of. I don't think they're gonna. It, it, lives will be definitely lost because it's it's with us, especially with the. With, with the ghetto, the the hood, they you see us already throwing up the things on the gram, yo. We just want to know if y'all can um, hold one of those um, KKK rallies in the Bronx. You just want to see what happens. Mm-hmm. Like you know we <laughs> like 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 bring it. Yeah, like yo, come <laughs> on, just, just check it out real quick. Like right. and we and we edging them and we egging them on, you know, just to see because it's it's. We don't really see that here.
0: No, but there have been some incidents. There was a couple of incidents of cross burnings on uh, cross burnings on Long Island. One was a, a, a black couple, another was an interracial couple. Mm-hmm. There have been, I mean, Evan, in terms of your research, do we do we have those? Are, are there people like that here? They're just super undercover.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, we've seen a tremendous amount of fl- clan flyering in, in Long Island. Right uh, at the train stations, yeah, uh, we've had I mean, clearly the amount of swastikering that's going on. I'm not going to always equate that to the white supremacist groups. Sometimes as individuals, rogue individuals. Uh, we've also seen, you know, upstate New York. We've seen uh, incidents of smaller cells and in individuals that are uh, related to white supremacist groups. I had a death threat from one of them, and I, you know, they're, so we, they're certainly happening. And people think that it's it, they're not there. Uh, there, it's it's it's. So for us to normal. think that's well, See, new, the New York is,
0: area, we're kind of. It is a very,
1: very, very false, almost foolhardy sense of security to think that we as New Yorkers are immune to white supremacy. That is something that is unfortunately ingrained in so much of America's fabric that we cannot go anywhere in these United States and be insulated from it. There are Charlottesvilles all over the country. And I said this, I've said this before and I'll say it again. Without the appropriate leadership to step forward and say morally this is not what we are about and to advance what our values and really uh, uh, put those out in, in a strong way without that taking place you will continue to see this happen over and over and over again. Fortunately, people on the left and people in the middle and people of good moral conscience have decided to stand together and push back against it, and we are organizing in ways that you know make this not acceptable. But please don't think that just because we're in New York or because we're in the Northeast or because we're not... Uh, below the Mason-Dixon line, that somehow we are magically immune from racism and white supremacy. It exists everywhere,
3: and it is absolutely right here. Uh, Now, but the the crazy thing about it is you see how Charlottesville, they come out. See, in New York and here, a lot of times when these incidents happen, you wake up and you see it. But you don't know who did it. Right.
0: They don't want to show they you don't, don't want to don't show them. We're, we're gonna talk, we're gonna talk about the this is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be back right after this.
3: Yeah, 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 yeah. Salute. This is General Steele from Smith Wesson. And right now, you're listening to Street Soldiers with your girl Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people. Only on hot 97.
0: Pia! Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We're talking about the Charlottesville aftermath. Should hate speech that leads to violence be banned? Joining us for this conversation, Evan Bernstein. He's a regional director of the Anti-Defamation League. Evan, great to have you with us. Thank you, Lisa. Also with us is Charles F. Coleman Jr. He's a civil rights attorney. He's also the executive producer of Black Brilliance 360. It's a web series. Charles, great to have you. Thanks for having me, Lisa. Also with us is Fred the Godson. He's a hip-hop artist from the South Bronx. His latest mixtape is Gordo, and he's the father of two children. Thank you so much for being with us, Fred. We really appreciate it. Let's talk about what should happen from here on out. Charles, should we change? Do the laws need to be changed?
1: I think that in terms of laws, yes, we do need to reexamine, not necessarily with free speech, because I think free speech is important, but in terms of how we... And I've been an advocate for this for a while. How we're looking at hate crimes on the federal level on a state level, how we sort of what what we are qualifying as a hate crime. I think that we need to reevaluate those. But I also is think
0: there a, is there a short is there are they being shortchanged in terms of the law? I think that. It,
1: they are being shortchanged in terms of the law. I think that the, the requirements are too stringent in terms of being able to qualify something as a hate crime. I think if you look across the country, New York has one of the more liberal policies, which is not a surprise, and it is, and it is a good thing in terms of this jurisdiction. But in terms of where these other things are taking place, you know, your Charlottesvilles, um, even in Boston, for example, you know, some of the, the local laws around hate crimes are a little bit restrictive and are keeping uh, white supremacists and other hate groups sort of insulated because they may not necessarily run a Foul of them with respect to their individual acts, so that's something that we definitely need to re-
0: to review. I Evan, what about in terms of like there there? Some people actually say, well, you know what? They're just about marching. They're just about having these extreme views, and there's little chance that they're actually going to impact public policy or change our lives. What do you say to people who have that opinion? Like, well, these- I think
2: people people can use their vote. People can use their voice, and I think you know also like with Dylan Roof in South Carolina and in some states having lack of hate crime. Laws. I think it's imperative that states get hate crime laws if they don't have them. Uh, and I think the, the biggest thing for us is, is the President of the United States needs to stand behind, stand up to this and do it with a real plan. He needs to be able to give the FBI uh, the kind of training he, that they need to be able to handle this kind these kind of groups. I work with the Department of Education to ensure that students across public schools across the United States are getting trained to understand that this kind of biased talk and behavior is not acceptable. Work with Homeland Security, getting those people understanding the funding, re- reestablishing funding. It can't just be you know, speaking out later than we would like. It also needs to be speaking out emphatically, but then also Putting a real plan of action behind the president for the federal government to really push back on this, and it has to happen. From but it's the also level. talk
0: about values too. It's like, what are the country's real values? What do we really stand for, right?
2: Uh, absolutely. And, it com- and it, listen, the president of the United States is the leader, is the leader of, of our country, and those those things need to start from the president and work its way down. We have a grassroots effort now working in response to what's what's going on in this country, but it needs to be top down and bottom up as well. And I think that's the only way we're going to be able to combat this.
1: I think locally, we also have to understand and that the line in the sand is is becoming clearer and clearer every day. And there's no time for inaction, there's no time to be on the fence, there's no time to be on the sidelines you know, if you are not showing up as an ally for oppressed communities, for people of color, for the queer community, for people who have been continuously pushed to the fringes of American society. And can I just
0: jump in right there? Sure. Let well, you say that too. Also with women, because absolutely. I read in rep- preparation for the show, no their question. attitude towards women absolutely. is rivals the Taliban. No question. In uh, terms yes, of absolutely. It, what no they, question. they don't want women in the world. They don't want women educated. They don't want women working.
1: So there's right. So there's no real room for compromise on this, right? right. Like misogyny, xenophobia, a racism sexism like there's no room for us to be like well you know it's okay for you to be sort of racist and a bigot here but you know as long as you're not sexist no no no, no. This is just, that's not how this works this is a blender of oppression and oppressive systems and either you are on the right side and you're going to find yourself on the right side of history or you're on the wrong side and you know you but you have to pick a side right and picking a side requires more than just saying well i personally am not a racist or i personally am not a misogynist that's not good enough at this point. What are you actually doing? Because if you're a person who enjoys the privilege of that, of those systems, and you're not doing anything to help dismantle those 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 systems, you're just as complicit and just as problematic as the people who are out there
0: with tiki torches. Fred, what about support for parents in terms of explaining this too and how teaching, how to teach this?
3: Um, Would you
0: like something like that?
3: I, I, I want to know how to explain it. Um, it's... It's, you have to show them. I mean, I'm just talking from my... From your my heart, daughter, exactly. This. Like, if they was older, I think they will understand more. You have to show them the past and then show them what's going on now and explain to them why it's happening, why people is people's like that. Because it's just hard.
2: Like, I don't, I don't want I to I know how to do it right now.
3: Do you, think there are, do you think, Evan, do you think there need to be programs,
0: too, or some kind of Oh, we're doing so, we
2: educate. We have a whole curricula that we're giving to educators right now and to parents. Uh, if you go to ADL.org and look up education, we have whole curricula and ways for parents to have these kind of conversations. I have two young children under the age of 10 myself, and we're having to have these conversations because it's happening in school, whether you want it or not. And you have to, as a parent, be able to... Figure out the best way to, to disseminate this information uh, without harming your children too much, and not letting them become right yeah. yeah. without scare without scaring yeah. them. But also, yeah. they're,
0: they're very conscious at seven and of eight of, of these things on. that are going on, even if you're not having them watch the news. Hundred percent, right? It's,
2: it, it's our job as parents, as society, to make sure we give those kids the the tools they need. It's, it's
3: so it's so crazy because, like on, the, on Instagram, the dude mm, I don't know if you ever seen a dude with the you know, he'll come with the um, Taliban thing and put a bomb, like a fake bomb, and oh, run. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. And I'm yeah. showing that to my daughter, and she's laughing. But my wife, she she's mad. She's like, "Don't show her that because she's gonna learn to be scared of those." D-. And and she has a point. You know, she's like, "She's gonna be scared of those dudes." And don't 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 do that because. And it's like you gotta be real careful with the kids. They, uh, I don't. It's I,
1: crazy. I think impo- it's importantly so that we understand as we sort of take this journey and continue along this journey thats that. It's going to be difficult, it's going to be uncomfortable, and it's going to be challenging. But those are not things that should deter us from really salvaging the moral conscience of this country. Um, we didn't get here overnight, and so fixing it is not going to be a quick or easy solution, but it is something that's going to require a consistent investment of the best of us consistently and repeatedly. And you know, the fact that it is difficult, the fact that we will have to rethink certain things that we knew we were just certain about, you know, yesterday, but now that we have the benefit to to revisit and we know better, the fact that those things are things that may need to be revisited should not stop us from getting it right because it's important, not just for us, not just for the aftermath of Charlottesville, but for generations after us, they deserve for us to get it right because so many people literally have lost their lives in terms of it being gotten wrong. And so we owe it to ourselves and we owe it to our future selves in order to be able to look back and say we had an opportunity to change the world, we had an opportunity to change history, and we took on the difficult tasks and we got it right.
0: Well, we're, we're trying to talk about it and keep the conversation going. Um, Evan, in terms of the, the terminology used as well, we look at Heather Heyer, may she rest in peace, the woman who was killed in Charlottesville, mm-hmm. the two state troopers who died in the copter crash who were up there probably because of everything that was going on. But if that was a person, if that was a Muslim in that car driving mm-hmm into a crowd like that, that would have been considered an act of terrorism sh- without without question.
2: No question. I think, we, you know, th- it should be looked at a domestic act of terrorism. And actually, if you look at the numbers, there's a, a huge public misnomer about the number of murders and, and incidents that have happened. Most of the domestic terrorism that takes place are actually from white supremacists and not from uh, from the Muslim community. And I think that's, again, it's just perpetuating stereotypes in our community that, you know, that that are leading to uh, people thinking things are really happening that are not happening, and I think it's imperative that we get the truth out and also uh, call out when these kind of things happen and make sure that. But shouldn't
0: there be, should there way. be one level, one standard of what we call it, depending upon what the effects are and what the aftermath is? Because if it's a white supremacist and he's mowing down people, it's just well, it's just this crazy guy in a car. The issue is not the
1: standard. The issue is the application of the standard. There is one standard. The problem is that people fail to apply that standard when you're talking about the targets being certain communities, the targets being certain people, and the offenders being certain communities and the offenders being certain people. So the standard itself is not the problem. The problem is when you have a president who refuses to call out domestic terrorism for what it is, when you have leadership that wants to sauce you around the notion of white supremacy and the alt-right in terms of the narrative and accurately labeling it for
0: what it is. That's the problem, not the standard. Evan, what do you say to people who go, well, you know, they're not really serious, this alt-right, this whole movement. They're just this is just their political
2: views. Uh, I, I think they're they're they're, they're clearly now even deadly serious with what happened in Charlottesville, and I think what they've been able to do. Richard Spencer, what happened in Whitefish, uh, we've now seen 33 states around the United States that have had uh, multiple college campuses, including here in New York State, where the alt right has been flyering and, and recruiting, trying to get young people, uh, college age, college students, to be able to join uh, this movement. I think that this, if anyone thinks that they're that this is just a, a small group of people that is not organized and not a well-oiled machine. They are really mistaken. And I think if we, we think that way, we're going to be in for even more of a world of hurt uh, as the country continues to deal with this.
0: Fred, do you think we'll see some some of our big hip-hop artists start speaking out about this a little bit more?
3: Of course, they have to. I mean, from the biggest, because it's is now it's getting deadly. It's, it's going to get worse. Something else is going to happen. It's going to... It's going to get crazy, and then it's going to, we ain't going to have no choice but to do it, and it's, everybody has to speak out, and I think, like, even with the president, man, he's not, like, if this was Obama, he would have, like, really winning on the incident because that's the leader. Right. So when you got the president and he's just, like, just brushing it off and make America great again, I mean, what you mean again, I don't know, I don't understand what he means by that, but it's. That's what they're going by, cause when you look at the rallies, they they they, they screaming that they screaming what the president's saying. So what they're doing, with the, to them what they doing is not it's not it's not wrong. They're like we got a leader, and that's our leader, and they just it's just everybody has to speak up. From Jay, Eminem. Nas, the biggest has to come up. All of them. Everybody.
0: Everybody. All right. Charles uh final word? Like what people can do or in terms of the law or what they should should be doing. I think
1: people have to stay vigilant. I think people have to again, if you if you are someone who fashions yourself as an ally, whether that's an ally of of immigrant of of immigrants, of undocumented people, of of, of Muslims, of people's freedom of religion, of, of, of women, of blacks, of Jewish of of, of our Jewish friends. You know, if you're an ally, you really have to figure out how am I showing up and am I in the game? And there are a number of organizations, civil rights organizations, across the board that are doing good work in communities. So you can leverage your skills, you know, to push back, to resist, if you will. Um, And there are a number of different opportunities that you have to do it. But I can tell you one thing. The one thing that's not going to make this better is for you to sit at home and to do nothing and, and to say, oh, my gosh, you know, from the comforts of your living room table watching uh, uh the news over dinner saying oh this is such a tragedy tragedy this is so harmful we all have a responsibility and we all have a role to play and so you have to get involved you have to figure out uh where your where your fit is there are tons of civil rights organizations just you know go online and you can look whatever there, there's know. many
0: resources and like what Evan said Correct. with ADL too for the for the parents so educate yourself and get involved all right I want to thank all of you for being with us for this episode of street soldiers Evan Bernstein from the anti-defamation league uh, civil rights attorney Charles Coleman and hip-hop artist is Fred the Godson. thank you all so very much for being with us. Thank you. Thank you. And remember thank you. Use, thank you. And uh, remember, use your mind. it's your best weapon. I hope it's your only weapon. I'm Lisa Evers. Let's push for peace.